This is getting better and better. Get some recipes. Look at that. Yes, sir. You haven't peaked yet. Mmm, I just can't, mm, I just can't wait. That's a lesson that games are not played on paper. No. But they're played on the field. I told you guys, I told you. I told you. Welcome to Evolve, a lifestyle brand that disrupts conventional thinking and challenges you to evolve your soul, evolve your body, evolve your mind, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. You have value, and you are not alone. When I close my eyes, I can see a whole different world. Wow, yeah. that's what I want to do, man. That's why well, you, you have several doctorates, because you just write them in crayon on, your, on a piece of paper for yourself, right, Miles? Right. What was that? I just yeah. lip, just My, Miles just writes himself his own doctorates in crayon. Yeah, that's what all these are. They just oh, good, good. Legit. Yeah, good. they're all mine self-made. Are, mine are too. Everything you can see on my wall. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's, Vinny, it's just way cheaper on, and easier. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You just have yeah, thank you for that. having me. Oh man, I'm excited to have you. It's uh, it, what a what a cool uh, thing you're doing. We are <laughs> yeah. we're having a little bit of technical difficulty with our other co-host. Um, I think it's all the heat in Las Vegas. It's it's melting everything. It's got to be. Um, so hopefully he's going to jump on here shortly. Yeah, Vegas. he was on and he had to reboot a couple of times. So we'll give him another minute. And, now, if, where, and if Vinny, he doesn't. Do if he doesn't, you've got the best part of the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Wonderful. <laughs> Me. Awesome. Um, I am uh, located just north of LA, uh, right by Malibu County, uh, oh, neighboring okay. Malibu County. So in Westlake Village. Pretty nice. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 How's it going? How about you guys? Uh, windy. Wind is a weather out here, and it's a real thing. And it's yeah, something that's that. True. You know, we, we get wind advisories and I never thought wind would be something that you actually have to like plan for. I'm, I'm training for an ultra marathon run right now. Okay. And I literally have to train the runs around the wind because the last thing you wow. want in your face for an hour or two is leaves and dust. And, you know, it's not the most allergy friendly thing here. So, yeah, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, my Miles is in uh, Ohio. He's in the uh, in, northern tip of Ohio, Ohio. Yeah, Oberlin, Ohio. The romantic capital of the world, right? Something like that, maybe. I like that. You just you just shifted my paradigm. Now that's what I'm going with now. Yeah, we're, we're making up degrees. We're making up. Yeah. State. It's good. It's all good. Yeah, the I'm, I'm going to paint one. Of the world. I love it. I'm going to make a t-shirt. I'm going to have Oberlin, the romantic <laughs> capital of the world, and walk around with it and see how people respond when I'm walking around the streets. And then you need, a, you need a long robe and a pipe with that. So you <laughs> Yeah. Look. Yeah, it, right. it needs something. I mean, if you're going to start yeah. a thing, then it needs it needs to be something, definitely. You mean like what the, was the uh, Oberlin? No, what was, um, oh, you know, the guy that you do the impression of. Walking. Walking? Yeah, what was wow. he on Saturday Night Live? The Continental. You remember that? I do. Yep. Well, welcome. Welcome. My dear. Welcome. He was like super creepy. Cowboy. That could yeah. be you. That's that's <laughs> most of his roles. Yeah, that's awesome. Walking walking around Oberlin doing Christopher Walken. Good evening. Welcome to Oberlin, the romantic capital of the world. I'm your host, Christopher Walken. 
it just <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue now. It's it's now a thing. Yeah. The romantic half Perfect. of the world. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm, that's, yeah. I, love, I love it. And I've, I've been, been into painting Utah. t-shirts lately. Yeah. That's your bowling shirt right there. Yeah, you see what it says though, right? Yeah. I'm digging that. Thank you. you. Go, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm digging that. Thank you. Well, let's go ahead and get the uh, show started. I think if Casey can get his um, technical issues fixed, we'll have him jump on. Uh, so, Benny, we, we really like to start our show. Um, normally, we start our show with a certain question, but I want to switch it up a little bit today just because I thought it would be fun. Uh, so we normally start our show by asking our guests what's inspiring them right now. Uh, but I'd love to hear what is making you laugh today? Man, I, I got to tell you, and and it's a little embarrassing. I'm a little ashamed about it. <laughs> All right. I like that <laughs> setup. <laughs> my son tell it, it's just fart jokes. I mean, he's seven years old. And, yeah. and it's just, oh, yeah. I don't care how old you are, how mature <laughs> and wise of a, it doesn't matter. It's no. almost always funny. So yeah. he just, this, this kid has me cracking up, man. That's cracking awesome. Up. Yeah. I agree. I'm I'm 45. Miles is 78, and uh, neither one of us uh, fails to laugh at a fart joke these days. And, and well, yeah, it's just especially so... when you go ahead, go ahead, Vinny. Oh, it's just it, it's it's the the I, I don't know if it's the it's just the pure joy of yeah, like that is the funniest. You just see his nervous system. It, it like <laughs> can't smile. He. he <laughs> It, it just it overrides the funny circuit and, yeah, and it yeah, just brings yeah. me so much happiness that I can't help but just die laughing. Yeah, they, they, interestingly enough, they have not become jaded by their farts. <laughs> no, so, and I'm not going to so teach, I'm not going to condition him to be yeah. jaded by it. It's, it's yeah, a yeah. yeah. Their, their little bodies it. are just exploding, and then you add some words that define it. <laughs> Literally exploding, yeah. Yeah, yeah in yeah. a humorous way, and, they, and then they want to tell it to you. Oh my God, the joy in their eyes when they're telling you those stories. No, and, yeah. and it's not it's not mastered comedic story, right? It's not it's not a calm no. delivery right. and then a punchline. Right. It is like I, I'm laughing so hard I can't even get the joke out, and that's what makes <laughs> it funny. That's the pure humor. I think that's, yeah. I mean, to me, that's that's the best humor out there. I laugh yeah. at my kids, especially my oh, yeah. son, when he used to do that. Well, I guess he still does. Um, maybe not as many fart jokes nowadays, but <laughs> that kid. He'll, what he does is he'll sit around. He's 15, almost 16 years old now. And he'll sit there with his phone and just, he starts to shake. Like his shoulders are going up and down. <laughs> and he's laughing silently to himself. But his whole body's moving. And then the noise comes out. And then he just does like he'll airdrop whatever picture, whatever meme it is to the whole family. And usually I'm laughing. One of my daughters is laughing. My wife goes, oh, that's gross. And then my other daughter rolls her eyes at him or laughs. You did. It just depends. But yeah, kid humor is the best humor. I, I can't wait for this kid to get a phone and me to get text message. I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a weird yeah. now new technological milestone of right. being a parent right. and fatherhood. Like I can't wait for me to have a tough work day. And then I just get a message from my son saying, Hey dad, what's up? I love you. Hopefully it's right. nice, sweet and supportive yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. 
Yeah, I did. Well, I think it's all in what you what you build. So I'm sure it will yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, and with that, we want to welcome you uh, to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Um, melting in the sun in Las Vegas, Nevada, our co-host Casey Mitchell, his computer melted, so he's not with us today. Uh, but wondering what day it is after a glass of wine or two in Oberlin, Ohio, is W. Miles Riley. Miles, welcome. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey everybody. <laughs> and basking in the beautiful weather in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today's guest is going to help you to evolve your body and evolve your mind. Welcome, Vinny Crispino, uh, to the Evolve podcast. And Vinny, I've got to say that you win the award for having the coolest name of anybody we've had on the podcast so far. That's true. That's true. Uh, all right. So then I got to share the full name. Okay. Uh-oh. Vincenzo Andino Roberto Antonio Crispino. Oh, my gosh. Drop there, you know, I, was getting, I was getting ready to say to him. Vincenzo, come stai? And you got to do it with the fingers. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, by the way. By far the coolest name. Well, Vinny Crispino, CPT, CES, and PAS, is the author of Breaking Your Limits, How to Master the Paradigm Shift Away from Pain, and is the president of the Pain Academy. Vinny says, I believe everyone has the ability to have a comeback story. Breaking my back in, the early, uh, in my early 20s was life-changing for me in many ways. It led me to finding my true purpose and passion in life to help others in need. I've spent the past decade learning and mastering the art and science of corrective exercise, teaching people all over the world how to move and feel better. Um, so, Vinny, I, I want to start out with a question uh, from one of our listeners, if that's okay. Yeah, uh, when I told him that, uh, or when I when I, we posted that you were coming on, uh, the response was, that guy has great content. How does he come up with his visuals? Painstakingly taught myself how to draw. Wow. So everything on your Instagram account, you drew self it's self self-created self-made i wow. i i i didn't have the, the the content wasn't out there showing the 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 positions and the functions and the things that the that, that people are experiencing the problems with their body uh, uh -huh. it just it just wasn't out there and so so began the process of tracing people's photos to get diagrams and and the layout of proportions and skeletons and then it just kind of became a thing uh that i practiced in the quiet for a really long time and the skill just got good enough to start using it and and uh basically being used as an instrument to teach people here man i that is so cool i can relate to that on so many different levels when i used to train people and i had and i was doing a lot of corrective exercise i would get their pictures and back then it was literally taking polaroid pictures and I would take a pen out and, you know, draw from where the plumb line was and drawing the different lines to see where the uh, imbalances were. And then I would take out uh, Kendall's muscle testing and function, yes. whatever edition it was at the time. And I would compare. I'm like, okay, well, this person has functional scoliosis. So, and then I would literally pull out my sketchbook and half my sketchbook was stuff that I was drawing to paint. The other half of it was, 
my broken clients. So, man, how cool is that, that you are self-taught? Um, so there you have it, our listeners. Uh, Vinny is self-taught and he creates all of his own con- uh, content. Now, another question uh, that our listeners submitted has to do with getting out of pain. So typically, how long does it take uh, or how long does a person need on a program to remain pain-free? Mm. That is such a And I know that's a question. loaded question, but yeah. I thought I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah. So, you know, look, I, I, I can go off of general guidelines, right? If you're somebody who's in pain, chances are this problem didn't happen overnight. So we have to mm-hmm. already assume that this is not going to just go away overnight. So now the question becomes, well, how many days weeks, months, and years, have you had this problem? How many thousands of steps a day, right? You've got to, you, when you ask that question, you have to first reflect, how long has this problem been here? If, if you've been experiencing this issue for 10 years, take that time frame and cut it down in half, right? And, and these are really vague general guidelines here. If you've been in pain for a year, maybe take that timeline and cut it down in half. On, on, a, on a very realistic level, the answer to that question is outside of how long has this body been in pain for, it takes about a month for the nervous system to really start adapting, to start being able to communicate to new muscles. After that nervous system develops, it could take a couple months for the muscles to start figuring out how to function again. And then it mm. could take a couple months after that for the entire, uh, entire integrative fascial system to start remodeling with the changes of the nervous and the muscular system. It's not going to be shorter than six months. I mean, really, truly, it's not going to be shorter than six months. And that answer of six months really is grounded in the tenets of our biology in our physiology, how we are designed to work, and also assuming that this is a process of you're not a robot, you're not going to be consistent every day, you're going to have the highs and the lows, some days you're going to be really brought to integrity and, and fulfill your commitment of doing your stuff. And other days, it's it's Saturday night, and you don't want to do your exercises. So you got to kind of factor that this is a process of showing up to this work, not being perfect, and giving your physiology enough time to start responding to make the changes that you're looking to make. I like how you broke that down. So first, it's the nervous system. Then it's the functionality of the muscles. And then we're talking about connective tissue from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, there's now incredible information that you know when somebody starts to work out, let's say you are not in shape and you all of a sudden start a strength training routine those first couple weeks of you lifting weight, you are going to feel stronger. The weights and the movements are going to feel more familiar to you. It's not that you're getting stronger. It's that your nervous system is communicating better to the muscles. Hmm. You've got more muscular activation, right? So those first couple weeks of changes, this is why we can't be tricked by quick fixes because they might just be nervous system changes. If you're not doing the change long enough to to allow that nervous system to adapt and then be able to adapt on a level to where the muscles can start changing, you're just going to be stuck in this every couple of weeks, the nervous system changing, but not actually changing the way that you're moving and feeling big picture long-term. So it, it, is, a, it is a systemic process and evolution of how the body's got to go through 
going from a state of pain, of dysfunction, to starting to actually move with ease again. Now, and that was one of the things. So I got to tell the story. I mean, the other day, uh, well, I can't remember when it was, maybe a week or two ago, when we were messaging back and forth. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I had that feeling like when I was asking the cute girl out on a date because I, <laughs> like I've been following your stuff and I'm like, man, this guy puts out great content. And then all of a sudden um, we started going back and forth and I'm like, dude, I got to have you on the podcast. And, and when you responded that you wanted to be on, I felt like the man. I was like I did when I when the cute girl said, hey, I'll go on a date with you. <laughs> I'm flattered. So I was, yeah, I was super stoked because uh, I love all of the content you put out. But one of the things that you said when we were talking was, uh, or when we were going back and forth, was that it's a matter of not just this adaptation and this evolution that you have uh, towards getting out of pain. But what, what was the question that you asked people? Something about how long do you want to stay out of pain, right? <clears throat> yeah, and, and that that is why your first question was a loaded question, right? Yeah, what does it mean yeah. to be pain free? Well, it, it's, it's an idea that isn't really true, right? Our bodies are just going to go through weird fluctuations of pain, right? Maybe we're just stressed out. Maybe we're having a bad day and our nervous system gets put in fight or flight mode and we just get inflamed and things get triggered and flared up, right? Yeah. So what it, when people are in pain, their first thing that they're looking for is just how do you get out of pain? But nobody's asking the deeper question of how do I stay out of pain? Asking a question at the start, day one of your therapist, practitioner, who, whatever professional you're seeing, the question is not how long until I get results, how long until the pain goes away. It's how can I learn how to stay out of pain? What can mm -hmm. I do to continue to stay pain-free? Because that question actually means you're developing a strategy that's going to serve you for the rest of your life and bigger more important questions come up like why am i in pain what's causing this what's creating flare-ups and how can i understand that before i run into a really painful herniated disc situation right the the, the question is is how can i live the best way i can for as long as i can and you know when people are just focused on that then how long until I get results? It terrifies me answering that because if I say three months, they've got it in their mind that this is just a three month thing. I mean, this is an endless practice of being able to take care of your body, to, to keep your joints and muscles as healthy as possible. And, and that's a lifelong practice. Yeah, really, it's about those habits, those healthy habits, because we can get out of pain pretty quickly, just like I can yeah. go pick up a hamburger from McDonald's very quickly. I can pop a pill and get out of pain fast if I want to, but that's not the long-term solution. That's not going to hit the root of the problem. So I love how you put that question out there that it's not just how quickly can I get out of pain, but it's how long is it going to take me to develop habits so that I stay out of pain? And, and that's why when someone asks, how long does it take to get out of pain? I could give you exercises right now that would reposition your body and make you feel more comfortable. That doesn't mean you're out of pain. Somebody could mm. feel like they've gotten out of pain, but remember, it's just that nervous system that is responding immediately. We didn't actually change anything. It was just your acute response to what we did. 
we want a chronic response, right? We want something that, that builds day in and day out. So you don't have to keep doing that same stuff just to marginally get better. And, and that, of course, it, it just goes into the quick fix nature of things, right? Are, are we just looking for a quick nervous system trick or a change? Or do we actually want to fundamentally change why this is even a problem? Your habits, your lifestyle, your routine, the way you're thinking, the way you're engaging with everything around you. If that doesn't change, it's, it's just a system of quick fixes until surgery something severe happens yeah right can i ask a big kind of a big question because you said something a couple of minutes ago and it really stuck in my mind to just ask how are our bodies designed to work and and do you see like all these cultural patterns that contradict how we're designed to work and when i say a cultural pattern i mean you know, people go to work and they sit, so they spend so much time in flexion. Um, mm-hmm. Athletes really push the body to the limits. So we've got all these like gross cultural forms and subtle cultural forms that would you say contradict how our bodies are designed to work? Yeah, that's that's a actually a brilliant that's a brilliant question. Um, <laughs> I'm Miles. Yeah, Miles, there you go. <laughs> Ohio, romantic hey, city. That's it. That's it. Some good Bruce. questions here. So, Miles, we're going we're gonna to get a, uh, a certificate that says brilliant question for you. I'll, we'll make that, frame it. A lot of firsts on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a couple parts to that question, right? Yeah. And this is going to be about making what could be a very complicated system into a very hopefully simple answer. So the first part of your question, which is how are our bodies designed? How are we made to move? Um, well, if, if you look at everybody, what you're going to find, even though we all come in different shapes, sizes, and colors, and we all have different movement patterns, there are some universal binding truths that bind us all together. Like we have two ankles, two knees, two hips, two pelvic bones, two shoulders. Our design, our body plan is universal. It's something we all share. Now, obviously I'm gonna use like a little asterisk here because obviously depending on birth defects, right? Congenital issues, there might be some outliers to that, but the majority of us have a very shared universal body plan, which means the majority of us move or should move all in the same ways. Now, when we have something like technology show up we engineer movement out of our lives that that's literally one of the primary functions of technologies to make things I easier. like how you said that engineered yeah. movement out of our lives that's true though we have it's it, it's everything yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh, what were you gonna say no i just think that's i that's a great way of putting it we've engineered movement out of our lives by putting this talk technology in yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, and this might be a very cliche example, but back in the day when we needed to eat, we had to move to go get mm. that food. Yeah. Now, if we're, if we're lucky, we're walking to our car, driving to the grocery store to get our food and then driving back. And then we sit and eat it. Right. Most of us actually are probably just pressing an app. We have engineered movement out of our lives. So what mm. does that mean for our body plans 
that thrive on movement. Every mm. single system and function that the body has is designed to work with movement. Every time we walk, how the way our hips and our pelvis rock back and forth help us digest food. It helps mm -hmm. enable the involuntary actions of our digestive system. So what right. happens when we're not walking much? How does that affect the digestive system? How does that affect the neural system, right? When we don't move, our systems are massively affected. So when you ask the question of culturally, right? And I've had the, the, the amazing opportunity to work with people in 75 different countries doing this kind of work. And it is fascinating to see how all of us with the same body design, the same body plan, we move fundamentally different because of our culture, mm. because of the culture of how we're conditioned to think, how a culture views the body. For example, Western culture studies the body by breaking it down into parts and pieces. It's mm. called reductionism, right? right. We, right. we take this complicated organism of the human body we separate the nervous system from the muscular system. We give them two different names, two different roles. We separate all the muscles into tiny little parts, give them all individual roles. We think of the body like Newton did, machines, parts and pieces. Mm -hmm. Well, over in the East, I'm sorry, over in the West, they don't think about the body like that. They didn't dissect it to understand the body. They looked at the holism, the whole. Right. The lines of power and meridians and how the right wrist can have a massive impact and influence on how the left hip rotates. We're talking about the collective of the entire body. And, mm. you know, depending on your belief system, you can get into like energy systems and chakras, things like that. But I say all of that because if you're somebody in the West who has a problem with your body, you're not zooming in on it using uh, uh, our uh, Western ideology, picking apart piece by piece, you're going to a movement practitioner, somebody who looks at the body as a whole, uh, uh, an, an integrative specialist, but we don't do that here. So because right. we think different, we approach the body in different ways. Right. If somebody in, in our country has back pain, we go see a back specialist and we get a diagnosis in that one little area that there's a problem there. And then that one little area becomes the key sole focus of treatment. But we're not looking at how our entire body moves. So we're culturally right, right. missing the bigger picture as to what is our body designed for and what does it actually need? So uh, there's, there's a, a huge difference of movement problems depending on the culture that you're in. Um, and, and, and hopefully this is making sense and it's not a disorganized way to answer your question. Uh, lastly, the, the other little part of that is what we do for leisure activity, how we work, right? And I kind of talked about how we've engineered movement out of our lives. We've also mastered sitting in chairs. We do it all day yeah. long. Yeah. And that's something not a lot of cultures do often. They don't have the luxury to have expensive furniture and to sit for a living. They squat to go to the restroom they squat to eat they're using mm -hmm. full access of their body to have conversations around campfires we're sitting and lounging without using any of the musculature in our hips everything is upper body driven so when it comes time to go run or work our backs feel terrible 
because we, it's our lifestyle, it's our culture. It's the way that we're living and navigating life. It's entirely different than people who don't have so much uh, access to leisurely things. And speaking of squatting while going to the bathroom, Casey Mitchell has joined us. Casey, welcome. That's my intro. That's a great intro. That's that's the worst ever. That's the worst. Come on. You jumped on, you jumped on late with the technology. Um, but Vinny, you, I, I love how you... laptop. It's working great. Good. Yeah. Time to upgrade. Yeah. That company that you bought the laptop from doesn't even exist anymore. Oh. So Vinny, I like how you talked about that. When you talk about squatting, I remember we were at uh, an amusement park one time and I looked over and here was a family. Um, I don't, I don't know what country they were from, but you could tell that they were from an Asian country. And so while we're sitting in the, in line to relax, they all drop down into this deep squat Mm-hmm. And I mean, literally ass to the grass type of thing and just sat there for a long time in this deep squat. And that was their way of relaxing. And I thought, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because of what I know about movement. And, and so I started to do that. And wow, my body's screaming. It's like, hey, uh, white Western guy, <laughs> you, you haven't done this enough. And that's not a comfortable position for you. You need to do this more often. I love how in your book you you um, break that down. You start with showing the skeleton and the imbalances in there. And I think most people are like me where we haven't done some of these things to balance our bodies out enough or we are uh, too tight or too our, our lifestyle just puts us too much into this um, sedentary pattern. So talk about what's a process that you go through when you have somebody come to you that is uh, injured or they're tight, they're inflexible, they don't have the movement that they need and, and they're in pain? Where, where do you start? I, I will absolutely love to answer that question. Uh, side note on, on what you brought up real quick, because I think it's going to be a really important piece of information. Um, there was a study done, I think it was probably what 2017, maybe early 2018, where they hooked electrodes up to the muscles in the legs to measure muscular activity. And they found, these scientists, these researchers found that these Westerners, the people who can get into squats, mm-hmm. they use the same amount of energy, if not less, as somebody who's standing. So we're talking about being in the bottom of a squat position, being a natural resting position for the human body. Well, but how many people can actually rest in a squat position in our culture? It is effort. And when people hear that it takes less effort to squat and they understand that when they're asked to squat, when they try to do it, it is, it's tension, it's pain. It's, it's maybe a minute at most before things are on fire and burning. The squat is a beautiful position that naturally tunes the relationship between almost 600 muscles in our body and Mm -hmm. your ability to rest comfortably in a squat is such an incredible way. It's like a health check and it's a, it's a must, it's a neuromuscular health check to see how is this system of ours working? Is it being misused? Is it being abused, overused? What is happening with our body right now? And it's a great check to understand how you're moving. Um, so and we see our kids I, do it. I, I wasn't aware of that, that uh, there were so many, 
that you could get to the point where that was as much of a rest as uh, standing. Oh, Remember our kids? Our kids did it. When they, when yeah. they were younger, two, yeah. three, four years old, they would just drop right into that little squat. And then, again, the phrase that Steve loved so much where he said, engineer our way out of these patterns. Yeah. We yeah. all have it. You know, my son's seven years old. He doesn't have his – I'm not training him. He doesn't have expensive – corrective exercise coaches and a mobility right. and a flexibility routine. The kid is just literally building Lego sets for an hour to two hours in a squat position, not even thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. And at some point we give up that natural birthright to be able to rest in a squat position because culture takes over. God, what a, what a fascinating thought. So my, my son has been coming to the gym with me more often lately and I was teaching him how to squat the other day. And so my, my cue is sit down like you're going to sit on the toilet, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all so, I mean, with him, it's like hundreds of clients that I had before. They squat like they think, and I'm using air quotes here, like they think they're supposed to squat. And I say, no, do it like you did when you were a kid. <laughs> well, I don't remember that. And it's so funny that we forget how to do that. And yet... I had a mentor of mine teach me at one point that that deep body squat is one of the best things that you can do, not just for your overall musculoskeletal system, but the digestive system as well. That many, many people are dealing with constipation, irritable bowel, so many different um, digestive problems because they don't have the ability to get their uh, their full digestive system functioning properly and moving and that gut motility just doesn't, doesn't happen properly. So I love how you're talking about the integration of all of these different systems and how important that is. It, it's, it's the whole of it. And, and just an anecdotal uh, a story here. I had this uh, woman probably in her mid fifties, uh, just a very severe case of chronic constipation because there was very minimal movement in the hip and the pelvic region. So she didn't have access to these muscles that would move and would naturally massage food through the body. And when she would move, because she didn't have access to these muscles, things just stayed stagnant. There wasn't much internal motion when she moved. And we were were right in the middle of a session where we did a lot of hip and pelvic mobility. She Mm -hmm. got down into the squat and immediately had to run up and run away because she had to go to the bathroom. She created the movement internally herself just by rediscovering function. And, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, hey, I want to learn how to squat. You don't need to learn. You already, you already knew how to do that. <laughs> you knew it. You need to yeah. rediscover it. I, I, you right. need to rediscover your ability to do what all of us are designed to do. So most of Americans, I think, are full of shit because of this. <laughs> you know, we, we eat bad food. We are full of shit because we eat bad food. We don't know how to move. I'll tell you, several years ago, I got into, I wanted to get into bodybuilding. And I really knew nothing about health and fitness. And so I started learning uh, from magazines, which told you to eat uh, or drink a bunch of protein powder, um, you know, squat with a barbell, uh, bench with a barbell, all of this stuff. And so my movement patterns were um, the basic weightlifting patterns. One day... I looked down and I am bloated beyond belief. Could not, I, like I looked down and I think, holy cow, what's happening? I'm getting these spasms in my gut. 
had no idea what was going on. I had to rush to the doctor's office. The doctor was like, man, this is, this looks bad. You may have had something rupture. Let, let's get you in for some x-rays. Let's do some tests. He walks back in the room and he throws the x-ray up and he goes, Hey, um, go home and tell your wife she was right. And I'm looking at him like, I've never met this guy before. He doesn't know my wife. And he was, he was joking. He says, basically, you're just full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns on the x-ray and I, he says, this is what your colon looks like right now. My eyes bugged and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. He goes, so normally what we see is a little bit of feces here, some space. He goes, you are full of shit. And Look, I it, was it, blown away. If, if yeah, you're a colon doctor, if you're, I mean, if that's your thing, you, you got only maybe a few playable jokes that yeah, work really that well. It. And he, that he, was he pulled it. it. He pulled it. But, but it, it, it kind of like you, it put me on a different path because I started to say, well, wait a minute, I'm doing things wrong, obviously. Mm -hmm. And not only did I have digestive issues, but I was starting to have hip issues. I was starting to have low back issues. Um, I, I kind of want to turn a corner here because I, it, the, the conversation has gone a slightly different way where I want to go back to how you got into this business because you got into it after having had a major, major back injury, right? You broke your back. I mean, that would talk about a life disruption. Yeah. So, so tell us about that and, and what that disruption did for you. Yeah. So, so it, it really all started. Uh, I was, I was a great swimmer. I was a division one athletic, um, uh, a collegiate swimmer, eight time, all American 33 Colorado state records, multiple top 16 wow. national titles. I was good in the water. It was the only thing I could do, right? I couldn't throw a football, couldn't shoot a basketball and make it to save my life. So, so the water was the only thing that I felt like I could do well. Um, and so, so really long story short, my ego and arrogance transferred over into my love for surfing. And I thought that there was no amount of waves that was too big that I could handle because I was good hmm. in a regular lap pool. Why would I, why wouldn't I be good in the ocean? And I paddled out on a day that was way bigger than I should have been out there. My swimming skills were significantly better than my surfing skills. I had no business being out there on waves that big. And man, this wave, it was literally the first one out there. This was over at point doom and caught the wave immediately wiped out and this thing threw me so damn hard into the rocks it has a rock bottom and a rocky shoreline and it, it was just this this instant moment of it, before it even came up i mean i felt it i it was just like a soul breaking moment man i lost mm. feeling in my left leg i even at one point looked down to make sure it was there i mean i was disoriented it was i was in shock it was it was painful wow um so so I really, you know, I started off with the swimming thing to talk about, I went from being highly capable in incredible shape to, you know, now me trying to figure out, can I go to the bathroom and brush my teeth at the same time? Cause I don't want to do any extra motion. I don't want to have to get up off the ground again. And that, that backbreaking injury, it, it led me through some of the darkest times of my life felt very alone 
I was mm-hmm. a young kid in my early 20s, scared out of, out of my mind. I couldn't work. I could barely breathe. It hurt like hell to move. Um, and, it's amazing and it was, what the mind does to you during times like that too, right? I mean, it moves you to darkness immediately. Darkness. Yeah. Darkness is the, you know, and then, then a drug addiction from the massive amount of prescription pills that I had access to because the doctors mm-hmm. were like, well, here, here's a big, Chris, this should just get you comfortable. And that's what I did mm-hmm. for years. It was just, what is the concoction of pills? And that messes with your mind big time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I know it sounds cliche, but there was, uh, there were just those moments and I'm also a dramatic guy. So I probably played into it more than I should have, but you know, hey, we there, all there, are. So we're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, there, there were moments where like, I'm just sitting on my little windowsill with my head against the window, looking out, watching even people do something like check their mail. It, it was just like a kid on a rainy day, looking outside a window who can't leave his house, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that was months, if not years of my life. Um, so what I failed to see is how much my mind had to do with what was keeping me stuck in this vicious cycle of chronic pain. I thought my injury was purely physical, right? I hit a rock. I saw the x-ray. I saw the fractured vertebrae. I saw the, uh, mangled spine position. So it registered as very physical to me. So I thought my answers were only in the physical realm. And for years, I kept forcing my way into all these other different therapies and approaches. I was like the the hammer looking for the right nail. And I always mm-hmm. kept missing it because nobody was showing me how I was approaching this problem. It was all wrong. It was all wrong. It's amazing what we do when we have a certain paradigm that we just, in our minds, quote, know is right, right? Rather than asking different questions, we keep asking the same question over and over and over again. Just to somebody different, hoping that this person will have the answer to that one question. How do I fix my back pain? I wasn't asking the right questions. Like, how can I learn how to stay out of pain? Yeah, wow. So what did you what did you learn along the way? I mean, I've, I've, I've read part of your book and the book really goes deep into some of the um, the mindset piece. Right. So what did you learn through your healing process? Um, the aside from the tangible, the exercises and the movements and the techniques, I mean, aside from from the actual things that I used to put the spine back in place and, and heal and now now move, you know, pain free. Um, it, it was the lesson that everything's connected. Mm-hmm. You know, every single thing is connected, how we think is connected to how we feel how we feel is connected to how we move, how we move is connected to how we think. And that is a circle that doesn't stop. There's nothing that exists in isolation when it comes to our life and our movement and our energy and the way that we're thinking and feeling and emotions. It is all affecting this one system. So when I was in pain, I failed to see how irritable that made me and how that distanced me from being able to connect with others. I failed to see it at Mm. the time, how I alienated myself for so long because of a multiple herniated discs and how you start putting up walls between people and cleaving emotions because you're in pain and you don't want to deal with it. I mean, it's, 
it's it's one complete thing and it took a lot of emotional work it took a lot of therapy and it took a lot of physical movement to pull myself out it wasn't just one thing over the other exercises were half of the thing that i uh, half of the things that i used to heal my back the other half was completely adopting new mindset you've talked about energy several times here um i'm a big believer that the right mindset the right energy that we pull into the body can heal ourselves and you're right movement is a big part of it i mean we can't neglect that part of it but it's the mind and the spirit as well Mm -hmm. How do you integrate those things into your practice? Well, um, awareness is the first thing because you can't change a problem that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this right now and I'm telling you that the way you're thinking about pain is half of the problem and you're disagreeing with that, that should show you that there's a lot of work to be done on how you're approaching this. Okay. So, the first step is awareness because you can't change a problem unless you understand why it's there and are aware of what is continuing to create this. You have to be aware of what your relationship with pain is, what your relationship with discomfort is. Mm. And when you start to see that clearly, you can start to actually make some incredible, obviously conscious choices, but the real changes happen subconsciously. You start to see what you do to actually self-sabotage your process, why you're the reason why you haven't gotten better. And, and that is, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because this is yeah, why I, I, I am too. I, yeah, I'm relating with you. Keep going. Yeah. It's, it's, it's why I don't have any exercises on my page yet. I teach a lot of exercises because yeah, it's not, yeah. I, I, I can't allow people to just look at <clears throat> what are the exercises fix my, fix my back pain. No, you need the integrative. You need to work on how you're thinking about this problem and how you're actually moving. You can't just think it's one or the other. I mean, you so can, it, but you're not going to get super you're not going to get progress yeah so not the progress you you, want no and not the long term so you remind me of a a client i had at one point that we're training we're trying to get it ready for a competition and she constantly was having these abdominal or hip issues we had done every corrective exercise you could imagine at the time diet was on point and yet there was constantly this thing coming up so uh, she was one of those clients that I knew would be receptive to this at this point. And I said, Hey, do you want to fix it or not? She says, yep, Steve, I want to fix it. I said, let me be honest with you. You've got this chakra in here that is blocking you. Your, your energy flow is not going to be very good. If you would stop having sex with people that you didn't love, I honestly think you're going to fix this problem because you are going out all the Mm -hmm. time, partying, trying to have a great time, you're not true to yourself and you're just having sex with whoever or whomever. It's not doing you any good. Immediately lights go on. She looks at me and says, you are right. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. fill a void of my life with this thing that I'm doing stopped and started to get dig deeper. Hip pain went away. Gut issues went away, went into that competition and had the best uh, placing that she had ever had 
eventually found the love of her life, got remarried again, and amazing, amazing results. We did nothing different from a physical standpoint. The only difference was she stopped having sex with people she wasn't in love with. You know, you, you, first of all, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, pain and discomfort are just signals of something right. that's missing. How you place attention to those signals is going to determine if you're successful or not, you know, and, and again, there, there might be some people out there who have chronic tight neck pain and a stiff jaw which could be in the realm of the throat chakra and you mm -hmm. never feeling like you're heard or you ever feeling like you express yourself. You always swallow your pride. You always mm -hmm. um, choose not to share how you feel and you wonder why you're so tight around the throat. It's all connected. Your yeah. hips and the pelvis are the root. If, if you're not living within integrity of, of who you are and you don't even know that, how could the root chakra, how could the energy of where you generate motion be in alignment, be in integrity? It's just not. But depending on where you live, you're going to hear that and say, yeah, that's so true. Or man, that's, that's a bunch of essential <laughs> oils. And, stuff. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Horoscope, you know, it's, Again, so now we go back into uh, what Miles was talking about, which is this is how culture plays a significant influence on our body. It is. It's interesting. I mean, in the Western world, we talk about science a lot. Mm. Now, one of the guys we had on the podcast, good friend of mine, Skylar Maine, I go to see him if I ever have some sort of flare up or injury or whatever, because I've done something stupid. And one of the things that we were talking about one day in my session was, he said, listen, there is a, um, uh, a connective tissue that runs from the base of your skull all the way down to the opposite hip, all the way down to the opposite ankle. And so part of why I'm dry needling you right here is to stimulate so that you can get that, the blood flow moving in that area again. Uh, at the time, I was dealing with an ankle injury or an ankle issue that had flared up from an old ankle injury from 30 years ago. And I don't care if you're Western science based or if you're Eastern, more philosophical. I've spent enough time in this industry to know that they're all connected. Mm -hmm. Now, my question to you, Vinny, is how do you disrupt clients that come into you with a fixed mindset uh, about either how their process should be or what they think they need in order to heal? Well, it's, it's firstly not going to happen through a conversation. <laughs> that, that's for sure. <laughs> um, they, I, I am, what needs to happen is somebody actually needs to feel it. They need to be talking about how this pain never changes and this has been around for five to 10 years. Like they need, they need to understand their story and then go do this position. And what happened to your story? Well, we didn't touch your back. Why did this position just make you feel better? We didn't do, we didn't even do anything yet. We're just putting you on your back with your hips and knees over a chair, right? Your legs are over a chair. How come changing your body position changes the way you feel? What does that have to do with your story? Right? So, so it's, it's using positions and asking questions 
to help shape somebody's experience. I can't tell them that this will work for them because they don't, you know, chances are they just don't believe it. I think there's hope there that they want to get better, but I'm not the guy you see the first time you're in pain. I'm probably the last guy, you know, I got a neck tattoo and you know, you're, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be your first option, but yeah, there you go. You know, when, when you, when you finally open yourself up to this and you start doing these movements that aren't targeting your problem and everything everybody's told you that is wrong with you and is broken and you stand up and you just start to ask different questions like, well, Vinny didn't touch me. There was no adjustment. There was no dry mm -hmm. needling. There was no manipul uh, uh, manual manipulation. Why do I feel better right now? What the hell just happened? And that was my experience years and years ago. This was uh, probably four or five years after breaking my back. And I'd done the acupuncture, the dry needling, I'm at, at so many modalities. Obviously I'm over exaggerating, haven't done all of them, but I did a lot of the mainstream ones that were available to me. Yeah. And all along, you know, all of a sudden this guy comes into my life, my first mentor and I was still hunched over, right? My spine healed with a 21 degree curve. I was crooked. Wow. And without touching me, just putting me in a couple different positions, I all of a sudden felt my left hip release. And mm. I noticed I could actually breathe again. And then my legs started to vibrate and shake as the hip flexor finally restored its proper resting position. Wow. And, yeah, and he told me to then stand up. And, and this is an hour later of not being touched just being told, lay here, do this with your leg, this with your arm, and breathe. Hmm. I felt better. And that feeling challenged every false narrative that I had believed to be true, that you need something intense, right? Because yeah. if you're in an intense amount of pain, you must need something really intense to feel better. So yeah. we start looking for the guys with hammers on YouTube, chiseling at the spine and all the weird stuff that's out there. <laughs> yeah. But now, yeah, but now this guy is just asking me to lay on my back and breathe with my hands behind my head and changing the relationship of how my hips, pelvis and spine and shoulders work together and I well, feel better. What the hell is this? It blew my mind. And that's what has to happen. You have to just do it to then start asking is what i know to be true actually true why did that just work and that has what led me to start pain academy that's awesome i mean you are literally you're you're showing people but then it's almost this socratic method of asking the questions so why did that work what happened so that people are learning for themselves you know, and, and, and the beautiful part is, is you don't need to be a damn rocket scientist to answer right. that question. You, mm -hmm. you as the person who's struggling with just being comfortable in your body, don't need to say, oh, well, we reciprocally inhibited how the hamstrings isolate and stabilize the phone. <laughs> you don't need to get in. It's, oh, I put the right side and the left side in the same position at mm. the same time. And I asked both hips to work together mm. and I feel better. I need balance and I need function and I need symmetry in my movement. And that's why I'm in pain. Mm. Why is Western medicine so afraid of this stuff? I mean, I get the money part. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Good question. But, but just I, Western medicine seems so afraid of the stuff that, as the air quotes, holistic and wellness and things that just, you know, some work. problems are just blockages of energy. It It is the, I believe that, okay, there's obviously some bad apples out there, but I believe the majority of people who help other people with their body, they do right. it for the right reasons, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I, I, I think they, they are trying to do their best thing. There's a lot of big money involved. You know, there's no, there's no money in the cure. You know, why would somebody pay me $600 to go help them fix their spine when they could do a surge, surgery for 80,000, right? The surgeon's not going to recommend the $600 approach anytime. Yeah. So I believe the answer to that question is rooted in day one of our education on the body. The vast majority of knowledge that Western medicine has is based on cadavers. Mm. We are trying to understand anatomy, what we're made of, how we work, the parts and the pieces, and how we've come to learn about the body is by studying non-living organisms, dead people. And when we do that, we can pull apart the stomach outside of the body and look at how the stomach works by itself. Mm. And we can pull out the hip flexor and say, hey, the hip flexor has its own role. We don't look at those two as the hip flexor helps to move the food through the stomach. Mm. So then the intestines can process it because we're not seeing that. It's not in our nature, in our paradigm to look at the body as a whole. When on day one, we look at it as single, separate, isolated systems. Yeah. So this, this cadaver science, we are all unknowingly forced to subject ourselves to information that's unreliable, it's inconsistent, and the results are underwhelming. Using cadaver science for internal medicine can be good, right? If, if, if I'm having heart surgery, I want that guy who knows about the heart and has studied right. it rigorously. I don't need somebody who right. also specializes in the hips. But the majority of problems when it comes to our body, the early on warning signs are about how the whole system is not working well together. We just are not trained in how to learn uh, to listen to that. So we things get so bad that the individual parts need to be addressed. So I, I think why so many people, despite out of good intentions, have it wrong is because their education doesn't allow them to see the whole again. It specializes in breaking it down. And at no point are we then taught, okay, well, here's how we put it back together again. Our, our mindset is glued on seeing the individual things. And, and uh, Steve, great example. Your, your, your guy that you saw for dry needling, he mm -hmm. talked about that superficial back line or the superficial yeah. spiral line. Right. That's a great idea. It's very forward thinking, but it still falls into the trap of thinking that that part works different than the front line. And yeah. it's still yeah. us doing the human thing, trying to pick apart pieces and isolate different things because we're trying to make sense of a complicated thing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most gifted, most brilliant mentors I've ever had couldn't name a damn muscle on the body 
I mean, okay, he, he could, but it, it, anatomy wasn't his specialty. He just would look at how that bone should be able to do this, how these bones should do that. And in simplifying it, I've, I've seen, it's just going to sound ridiculous, but I, I've seen people walk in to see him for an appointment with crutches and then leave the, cr- they, they don't need them. They, they walk out without crutches because wow. he's not looking at, oh, well, we got to get the left hip to work. It's all right, Jerry, your ankles, knees, hips, and shoulders aren't working. Let's work on all this in a few simultaneous ways and movements and his, his movement organized. It was beautiful and it was simple and you don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand that everything should work together. You, you innately know that though, when you look at it. I mean, you, we call people old when we see them moving in a, in a non-beautiful way. And I, I mean, I, I was talking to this. I, my wife gets sick of hearing me talk about this um over and over again and i was and so i i stopped talking to her this weekend and i started telling this to my in-laws while we were at our cabin over the weekend and i just said you know you can tell if somebody is moving properly when you watch them if they're out on a run and they move beautifully then they they're functioning properly they're going to get the proper oxygen they're going to get the proper movement their their mindset is good because they have a positive mindset you see this beautiful movement if you don't see that beautiful movement there's something off in that whether it's in the mind in the soul in the body whatever it is there's something that is missing in that movement but we can recognize beautiful movement and when we see beautiful movement that comes from an integration approach and not this isolation that you were just talking about. You know, it, it is it is in our DNA to be able to understand movement on a holistic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you've ever had a partner who's really pissed off, they don't even need to tell you that they're pissed off. You already know that because of how yeah. you're watching them move. <clears throat> we use movement to communicate everything, how we're feeling, the day that we're having, what we're thinking, our yeah. body position and body language. You don't need to be an FBI uh, interrogation expert to understand that this person's not feeling good about they're having a bad day, how they're sitting and slumped. This person's depressed. Yeah. We, yeah. we use our body to communicate everything. You know, if, if, if we were, and I've talked about this before a couple of times, but if we were all in an acting class, none of us would need training. If, if the instructor told us to uh, show me what a king looks like, show me what a queen looks like, we would all manipulate our body position and movement all the same way to communicate the same things. So when we deal with people who don't move well, who don't move with ease, we, we have to also understand there's emotional disruption there too. Yeah. Have to, because again, nothing is separate. Everything you know, is connected. You know, yeah. many, a lot of the things that you're saying, I've been having a lot of flashbacks of things throughout, whether it be my life or other people that I know um, what you're talking about. And I, one of the major thoughts that keeps coming back and Steve, what you're just saying about watching someone move is, I believe, and I don't have anything to prove this. I haven't done any research or science experiments, but the mental side of movement that um, whether 
you know, my, my, uh, you were, you, you mentioned you were a division one athlete. I, I also was division one football player, but it didn't mm-hmm. last long because of a back injury, but I spent my whole life. I love seeing an athlete that is just, their movement is so flawless and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter the sport. <clears throat> I yeah, just, I just have great, I have great respect for that. Uh, whether it's a golf swing or a or, or offensive lineman pulling down the line and making a great block, I don't. They're all they're all. But what I'm getting at is the mental side. Like my I'm, my son is turns 13 on Monday and he's really getting in, really getting into his athletics. And I've been talking and and as you as you've been talking, I've been talking and teaching him things you're saying, like how important movement and flexibility and 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 understanding how the body moves in a fluid motion and and i don't know how a 12 year old brain perceives that but what's interesting is when you watch an athlete or you watch somebody when they stop thinking about what they're about to do or how to move and they just stay in the in the moment and and in the action of what they're doing their whole their whole physicality changes they 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 kind of almost like everything is so much easier for them in the sport they're competing in. And for those brief moments, it doesn't, I don't, I've never seen anybody be able to do that for an entire game or a match. But when you see that and you see a, and you can see it in their eyes, like they're just all in in the present and they're, they've totally let themselves go. And their mind is no longer trying to dictate what's coming next or whatever. And they're just moving. To me, that's that's a really cool. They've their body's doing what the body's supposed to do, you yeah. know. And and building on that, yeah. Um, th- this is what I teach people is yeah. how to make movement natural again. Yeah, you know. And and when there's when there are so many human invented constructs, yeah, that we impose on the body. Like, uh, what, what sport is your son playing? Uh, right now, lacrosse. Okay, lacrosse. I'm sure there is a mechanical leveraged way to right. hold that stick for yeah. maximum power. But the best way is not having him think about that. Right. Right. Getting into the, right. if I were to, to, to chase you, okay, obviously violent example, but if I were to chase <laughs> you around the room with, uh, with a knife, you wouldn't think, okay pelvis level and neutral and core embrace <laughs> right? diaphragmatically breathe and yeah. contralateral movement with opposite yeah. hips and shoulders you yeah. would just move yeah. yeah why why aren't we training people to um, just move it's brace this tuck this hold yeah. this tilt that and then we wonder why we can't nobody can fucking move yeah yeah we're not training yeah. people to move we're yeah. training so many systems and i'm going to go on a rant i'll save you from <laughs> it but so many yeah. systems train dysfunction yeah. right it it, it they're, they're already overthinking and we're making them overthink even more <laughs> so hard and and yeah. now there's a right way to do it and a wrong yeah. way to do that yeah, yeah. Oh, which well, places I, a an emotional and a spiritual and a, a, a just judgment on people, right? Yeah, I mean, and every so sport, the emotion. Sports yeah. have there's a time and place for technique and position. I I totally get right. that. Right. But, yeah. but the movement part is what I tell my son. I said, an athlete that can be strong, fast, powerful, and splo- explosive in any position, or I mean, in any direction, is what you want to be. Is what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I don't tell them there's a right or wrong way to get there. I just say that is what you got to get to. You got to get to where you can move fluidly no matter what. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to, I mean, I just, it's just interesting because I, I see so many people just get so locked into, well, if I don't move my left foot this way, and if I don't step the right, like when you see kids play sports or, and when people lo just lose themselves in what they're doing, the, the movement, the, the way I'll just use his lacrosse, like when, when he just is in the moment, he'll, he'll whip a pass. There's exact, there's zero technique in how he did it, but it's the best pass or the best thing he's done the whole game because he wasn't thinking about where's my right hand, where's my left hand. He just reacted, just ball pass, right? He was in it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at great athletes, you look at great teams, like the back in the 80s and 90s, the the games with like the Celtics and the and the Lakers, or or the mm. the year the the some of those years with Jordan and those guys, man, when they just got clicking, they just played, they just moved. It there was no, it was just like going to a, a an outdoor park somewhere back east and just watching a bunch of guys play ball. It was yeah. just it was just moving. Yeah, but doesn't this, this is... doesn't this contradict a little bit? of what we're saying because you know it's interesting he used the laker celtics i remember an interview with larry bird and larry bird said had he trained his body better he could have lasted a lot longer mm -hmm. so if we're talking about faulty movement patterns and 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 then natural movement patterns well to correct a faulty movement pattern there is a certain amount of limitation of doing this and doing that to get to that that fluid motion of fluidity well i'm just that, talking more about the mental side of it when you get well to your to your to, yeah. to your point it's it's how you get from point a to point b that right i got that yeah matters yeah. right so so think of uh let's use an example of um tiger woods okay tiger woods has done so much golf his interviews, he literally looks like he's stuck in a swing. One shoulder is lower, mm. the other shoulder is higher. Mm. How the majority of Western trainers and corrective exercise specialists approach this will right. say, hey, Tiger, your body position's off, alignment's off, you're bleeding power and efficiency with every stroke. Let's consciously force correct that let's consciously manipulate your body and put both shoulders in the same position at the same time. Things get right. awkward. You're getting the athlete into their own way and head. Now they're overthinking right. about this. The, these problems, these faulty movement patterns aren't something to correct. They're not a problem to solve. They're a problem to dissolve. Okay. Mm. You just asking the shoulders to work better together over time with good structure is going to just naturally take tiger from this subconsciously and naturally to a level playing field with his hips and shoulders again. So there's right. a time to naturally work on your movement. So like your son, he can step on that field and do the weird things he's going to do. It's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to be perfect, but his body has the capacity to get weird and funky with it yeah. because both sides work really well together and you can you can break those movement patterns it's the problem when you're not able to get out of those movement patterns and how you're cued 
to correct them where things get really, really choppy and weird. You want to work on the movement patterns in a really specific setting, right? That's not everything's manipulated and tight, but breathe and move and breathe yeah. and move. And you're going to start to find better access to both sides of your body. Uh, mm. one, one example, I'm working with one of the top kickers Great in the NFL example. right now. Um, he had, he got traded, was having a pretty rough season, uh, was experiencing back pain. Uh, Young Ho Lee, uh, for kicker for the Atlanta Falcons, um, was experiencing back pain. Obviously, when you're a kicker, your body develops really asymmetrically because it doesn't. You, you don't get paid to have level hips. You get paid to launch that ball in the end uh, in the field goal, right? Yeah. So yeah. all of his physical therapy and and rehabilitation protocols were all these forced, really funky things to try to help level the way that his body was entirely misaligned and imbalanced. And it wasn't until we started working together where, well, first of all, you need to breathe, relax everything. We can't even work on this problem because you're so damn strong that if I give you any work, you're going to do it weird. You're going to use that kicker pattern and and, and then you're just going to layer problems on top of that. No, man, we need to first teach you how to breathe and relax all of the weirdness that's happening right now and then slowly and systemically and strategically, here's how your hips work and they should work together. Here's how your shoulders work and they should work together. And naturally, without conscious thought, over the next six to 12 months, the pelvis leveled, both hips started to rotate better together, the back pain went away, and he had his best damn season ever. Could train as hard as he wanted to, because he ditched all of the weird cues so many people are get, giving him. Yeah. And it's getting back to that that natural move without thought, <clears throat> breathe yeah. state. And that's where we thrive. I love that, move without thought. I guess yeah, you do have to isolate a little bit to integrate, right? You've got to isolate and teach him how to breathe. You've got to teach him some of these other pieces, and then you come back to the integration state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Yeah, the, I was getting ready to uh, say to integrate what Casey and I said. What we're talking—that's Casey and I. We're actually yeah. talking about the same thing. It's really, you know, there's some things you work on, and then when it's time to go move, you just go move. Yeah, you just go yeah. move. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. The yeah. last thing I want Young Ho to think about when he is tied at the Super Bowl and needing to win uh, uh, <laughs> some points here. The last thing I need him to think about is his pelvic position stepping up to that ball. Right, yeah. Go yeah. kick that damn <laughs> yeah. ball. I, nobody cares about your hip alignment in that moment. Yeah. Go do what you have to do. Yeah. But also let's make sure that the body can get out of that and come right. back to both yeah. sides working together. Cause you're a human being and you need yeah. to train and you need to live and you need to function. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great perspective. Yeah. So Vinny, I, I, I mean, I've got dozens of questions that we are not <laughs> going to get to in this podcast. So we've got to have you on for a second episode, but I want to do just a quick rapid fire uh, as we start to wrap up. Um, so it, it just, you know, give me the quickest answer that you can on the next two or three questions. So one of the things that I love about the ebook is that you do focus on the mindset. Um, what's the first thing that you go into when you are starting to disrupt somebody's mindset? How to change your relationship to pain. Mm, okay. What does it mean to you? How does it show up? 
Okay, love it. So as a health, wellness, and fitness professional, what is something that you used to believe, but you no longer do? Huh. Knees over toes. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good one. Um, I was trained to believe that we need to brace our core to move. Mm. It's another weird little concept. Very that weird. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. Very quick for a lot of okay. people. How do you disrupt your clients thinking to spark their healing? They have to feel the change to change the way that they're thinking. It's hard love to change the way you're thinking first. Yeah, love that answer. Final one. How are you personally evolving and what is next for you? I am I am evolving what it what it's going to take to make this methodology successful is is no longer uh, of course there's always stuff to learn about the body i'm at no means done learning but what it's going to take for this information to reach people is not being a corrective exercise specialist it's mm. now understanding how to manage a, a business and which 15 hats do i need to wear and in which order to now deliver this message out there so my my next evolution is how to make an impact across the world in a bigger way. And that requires skill sets that I don't even know what I need to know to have, but I know I'm not, <laughs> I don't have them. And I, now, and I now need to go figure out what the hell those are. Right. That is awesome. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, uh, Vinny, for joining us. And my co-host uh, woke up in the burning desert, Casey. And where's my wine, Miles? <laughs> We've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something away from you that will help you to be, you know, on your path of personal evolution. So Vinny, you've got a lot of great content out there. What is the best way for people to learn from you and get in touch with you? The best way is go to painacademy.net. That's the number one way and all the information and the, the tools that you're looking for. It's, it's all going to be on that website. Awesome. And I will tell you, our listeners, if you do nothing else, when you go there, buy the book, start to read it. I mean, I don't even know what I spent on it. 12 bucks, 13 bucks. Yeah. Um, it's the <laughs> best four or five days uh, of cups of coffee that you will spend. Don't go get your coffee. Just buy this book. And it, it's awesome. I'm, I'm only about a quarter or halfway through. And it is phenomenal. Um, Casey, what do people need to do right now? Right now, you need to uh, be part of the journey and get, get on board with us here at uh, the Evolve Podcast. Go to our website at uh, Evolve. Um, ha! I have a brain. I tried to memorize it. You, I can't you're memorize too, it. <laughs> you're, you're too much into the, uh, in, yeah. into the, the great stuff that Vinny shared. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I'm in too much into my head. Um, at Instagram, our Instagram is at evolve underscore cast. Um, and then leave us plenty of information and, and like us and do all those things that help us grow and evolve and move this great, uh, this narrative forward. 
And guys, also go smash that rating. We need um, uh, help on this. It was funny, you know, we, we're, we're really fortunate. We've got great guests like Vinny coming on. Uh, we'd like to have a lot more great guests on. And we're finding that uh, some of the guests are saying, hey, you guys need a certain number of ratings on there. Uh, so do us a favor. Go go hit that uh, rating so that uh, help us to get that five-star rating on a consistent basis. Uh, Miles, what's new at Evolve? Well, you know, if you don't have our latest um, Evolve Your Soul or Evolve Your Mind, Evolve Your Body, Evolve Your Tribe t-shirt, head over and over to the store and pick one up. Awesome. And remember, guys, that uh, evolution takes time. You've got to disrupt in order to evolve your mind, evolve your body, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Evolve. Well, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Love it.